Ladies and gents, uh, welcome back to another feature of Engineers. Uh, today we've got Ivan. Ivan's uh, VP of Engineering at Travel Perk, who are based in uh, Barcelona. We're not going to focus too much on Travel Perk today. We're going to dive into them a little bit. But I think today's episode is a real nice focus that I can get super involved in as well on uh, what an engineering landscape within a business looks like. So we're going to touch on hiring. We're going to touch on the market, interviewing, retention, fostering a great engineering culture, and other facets to that. And we're also going to talk about a really interesting topic that a lot of people have asked for around a route to VP of engineering. Stay tuned for future episodes, a route to principles coming, and other things when you're thinking about your career path. It's my little intro, Ivan. Thanks for joining us. How are you? All good here in Barcelona. Thank you for, for having me. That's the other way Sun shining? Yeah, actually, yes. After a few months of great rainy days, uh, we are quite sunny today, finally. Love it. Good. Uh, yeah, well, it's 5th of April, and it's quite grey and quite windy outside, just outside of London. So, yeah, there's nothing new there. There's really nothing new there. Um, should we kick off with you and Travel Perk? Do you want to give us an intro into both and help us set the scene? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm quite tall, so I'm a 43, a single dad. I'm a computer science, so I studied here in the FIP um, in the UPC in Catalonia. Uh, I have been in the industry for 20-something years. Uh, the first part of my career was mostly in consultancy firms working for the government. I was really lucky to work in like two, three of the most important projects of the time mm. and meeting really, really, really significant members that has been life-changing opportunities for me after after that uh, first interaction, like Carlos Gonzalez, former CEO in Overless and former CTPO in Skyscanner or, oh, wow. or Dave Garcia like former CTO in Verse and SVP here at Trollberg or Sergio Berna, former CTO at Trollberg and now CTO at Force Manager. So um, even in this consultancy part of my career, I was really a privilege working in, in, in very ambitious projects. And uh, actually I was leading a, um, as a director, a very big department in Sadiel when I got a call from Carlos for joining a leader startup and, and like stop managing 200 people and being a very hands-off manager to to be a very hands-on leader in a like four or five uh, team member size team. Right. And it was probably one of the most under-understood uh, decisions in my life from no one to to be also one of the most uh, the, one of the best decisions in my career because I discovered my my product my personal product market fit. This is what I want to do with my life. It's, yeah. I want to work in product companies. I want to solve problems. I want to to be in startups. And I was spending the rest of my career working in early stages. I have found four companies. Um, and uh, and actually, Trotberg was my first scale up. And it was like, since the beginning, it was like every dot connected. Like uh, uh, my managerial background from, from these uh, age, these years in, in consultancy firms, Plus my enterprise mindset, plus my multidisciplinary uh, um, 
skills from being in, a, in a early stages and my own startups and, and my hands-on technical skills from, from the same period. So yeah. everything was important in, in, my, in my journey here at Trautberg. Nice. Okay. And, and Trautberg is, is, a, is a skyrocket company founded in Spain in 2015 um, for, for, for making the business style suck less. And uh, we focus on SMBs, and, and this company has been like skyrocketing. Even despite COVID, um, we have a very clear ambition, a, a great culture of the company. Uh, and, and, and we went through the COVID situation, and, and we succeeded that transition. So we are dominating, I would say, the SMBs market for the business travel, just business travel offering for, for, for SMBs uh, with a great value proposition. Um, specific for for our customer segments, which is the ideal scenario for a yeah. product mindset guy as as a, I consider myself. Like we focus on what the eighty percent of our customers want instead of going to the uh, customizations and and that actually helps us to speed up everything in the company from sales to customer care from yeah. product to engineering, which is which is amazing. Uh, I guess a really clear idea about what you want to do and what you want to sell to customers or the problems that you're trying to solve, especially when you put uh, travel and COVID together. They're not really two words that go well together uh, over the last couple of years. But yeah. having that clear route to market has probably helped you. You know, We spoke offline about other companies not doing so well or acquisitions have taken place, diversifying into different areas. It's good that you didn't do that and you're continuing scaling, which obviously we're going to talk about next, but solid job. Yeah, I think it was the, the leadership thing was very brave because when COVID hit us, instead of slowing down the strategy for replicating the size of the team, that yeah. it was the challenge that we were facing, they say, no, 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 let's keep doing that because this is going to... So we basically reverted the parameter of innovation and instead of working on, on the core of the things that that the users were not using, they were not booking, they were not traveling, we we changed the pyramid of innovation for working in new things that we were expecting to be yeah. useful for them later. And uh, now our value proposition is even better than it was before, which is which is amazing. Yeah, it was very brave from them. Instead of uh, doing layoffs, etc., we we stick with the team and and we survive it. Yeah, there's a couple of things we could get into. We could get into fostering an engineering culture. We could get into hiring. We could talk about um, some of your engineering values or how you hire. Where where would you like to start? I think it's it's all is a bit of um, interconnected. So yeah. I remember when I was talking in December 2019 with Avi, our CEO, regarding, okay, what is the challenge? Uh, and we were saying, okay, we have like 50, 55 engineers and we would like to be 100. And uh, I connected with this entrepreneurial background and I was thinking, okay, my, my goals or my our challenges is like get people. It's like uh, keep people. It's like making people grow, right? It's not just getting people is, is, is all the fun. And so I connected with many, many books that I have read as an entrepreneur, like Steve Blank, Eric Rice, Frank Cooper, uh, about customer discovery, about funnels, right? And 
I remember connecting with a memory of a guy called Dave McClure that he was using a framework called the Pirates model, okay. which is aware, awareness acquisition activation retention revenue result. Yep. And he provided a, a suggested KPIs for monitoring how this funnel is working. It was called a customer lifecycle framework. And I say, okay, maybe we should adopt this framework from an engineering perspective yep. and see what are the KPIs that are driven the journey of an engineering product. So we start measuring what is the brand building action that we are doing and what is the conversion of these actions for putting people in the funnel, which is the acquisition channel, right? Which is the hiring process. Yep. Then we start deploying metrics regarding the hiring process, like the time to hire, what is the top of the funnel metrics, what is the conversion rates for early states. We started measuring right now the distribution of the scorecards from the engineers. Uh, we created a knowledge base for giving consistency to the to the candidates going through the process. Yeah. We also decided to have a very completely agnostic from the technology process because we want to hire good engineers. Yeah. And we want we don't want to close the market to the stack that we are using at Robert. We are using Django and React. Yeah. Uh, but but we didn't want to close the market to experts. We are looking for good engineers that they are willing to take a new technology in their stack. So we have a completely agnostic process, but obviously we are monitoring how the interviewers are working. We are evaluating the pass rate and the offer rate and making sure that we have the right setup because we are investing a lot of time in, in assessing candidates, right? Yeah. And then we have an onboarding process, which is, which is the activation in a customer lifecycle framework. So um, when you are putting that, that amount of efforts in, in brand building and, and and hiding, you need to put efforts in activating the people and, and making the proper onboarding, right? In our particular case, because of we are looking for good engineers that maybe they don't have background in our stack, we close an agreement with Udemy for Business. And basically, there is a two, three week setup when you need to like allocate you all the services that you need for being yeah. a good engineer, uh, for working as an engineer developer. Uh, but also, you need to go through trainings in Django and React for having a price start in these technologies. And then you deploy uh, all the environment in your machine. So after these two, three weeks, uh, we collect MPS metrics for checking if the process is working well. So we have quantitative metrics about the onboarding process. And whenever we have an spike, we are able to deep dive and see, okay, uh, we need to evaluate or revamp the onboarding because it's not working well, or we, we need to change a bit the onboarding instructions. So it's not perfect, but it's doing the job. It's actually empowering in an effective way the newbies that are joining the team. Yeah. Then there is the like revenue, right? Which is the performance of the team. Uh, we have done so many things here um, for evaluating how can we provide quick feedback, which is essential for learning and development for the people to become better engineers from the behavior. So there are so many tools in the market for evaluating engineering um, metrics. In our case, we, we build something from scratch. We don't load all the metadata from GitHub, and we start evaluating and defining SLOs of metrics that we believe are not vanity metrics, but metrics that are really fostering good collaboration between the team, like the time between the, the, the uh, creation of a pull request or when, when a pull request is ready for review and the first revision, which is measuring the collaboration of the team. Yeah. Then we are measuring the time to merge. So whenever the pull request is approved, how much time it takes to you for merging that, which is measuring the ownership of the person. And finally, the size of the pull request. So the, the smaller the pull request, the easier it is to 
to to do the to make sure that you are not breaking anything, but also to empowering a good uh, revision from a colleague. Yeah. So we are fostering these three examples of metrics, and and also one thing that we realized like two years ago is based on the engagement service, the team was telling us, I don't know how to progress. And when I get a promotion, I don't know why I got a promotion and yeah. not before. So basically we benchmark the market and, and we really like the approach from Medium, the block, uh, regarding a tool that they have, which is called a Snowflake. Yeah. And, uh, and we decide to get this concept and using the core values of the company plus the core values of engineering at Trailberg and building like a competency framework based on a snowflake. And uh, we have done, the, we have used this tool for the last two years. And right now we are like 20 points in the last engagement survey uh, compared with any other um, department in the company regarding how the people perceive that they have opportunities for growing. Yeah and how the people perceive they know what they are missing or they know what they need to do for getting this next step in their career. Yeah. Which is, which is great. That, yeah, I, I think uh, that's one of the main reasons why we have the, the current churn at Trapper super low. It's, it's a clear progression path. Yeah, yeah I, I think my point's in there. You, you touched on consistency within hiring important i'll explain why uh you touched on uh, a safe landing for engineers coming into the business as in a really good onboarding process but progression and something that is aligned to values within the business whether it's career growth business growth but i think the first point on uh, consistency as in actually going through a calibration process with people around you that are hiring people as in if there is a substitution within one of your hiring pool there is actual consistency between what we're looking for in an engineer otherwise that can be misaligned from team to team individual to individual how can you actually parachute people into different teams going forwards if there isn't any alignment or an understanding of what we think a good engineer looks like coming into the business, yeah. the onboarding part, in essence, um, that the, the hard part is done as in hiring people, which we're going to talk about in the next couple of moments, as in in the market, that the easy bit should be onboarding people and getting people performing because the hard part and the hiring part is done. So that do not stop there is my message to anyone listening. Do not stop there. Ensure that there's a really, really solid onboarding process where people can understand systems, processes, the people. And it naturally, it takes time because it's information overload. But make sure documentation is available to everyone and, and these playbooks seemingly that you've built around your mission, yep. your values, or a playbook of 20 competencies of, of what's expected from people. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think companies do miss that, especially the hiring alignment, the calibration bit. Um, I, I was shocked, you know, to, to know that not, not, it's not widely used all the time. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how more effective the one-on-one has become 
yeah. after the deployment of Snowflake, because after the performance review, you can discuss with your uh, with, with your report why you are putting a two in these competences when I see a four and the other way around. Uh, and whenever you have an alignment, then when you have the discussion about, okay, which competences you would like to progress for reaching the goal that you have next. Yeah. Uh, this is completely changing the relationship between the manager and the report because actually you, you can provide quicker, um, external feedback for, for the people to progress and, um, and building self-awareness and building like in a positive and a negative way. I, I think um, we are really happy about that. We're, we've spoken from a Nirvana perspective of loads of people coming into the funnel and we have our pick of the market, which we all know it isn't like that. How have you seen the market change? Let's just say recently. What have you seen change specifically? And what have you learned? I think right now there is a clear inflation in the market, right? Yeah. And, um, and the reality is, uh, I don't think the, the, the inflation is directly in the salaries. I think the inflation is in the valuation of the companies. So five years ago, a funding round, a, C, a CDSA funding round was like two, three millions. And now it's like 25 million. So yeah. um, because of the lack of uh, profitability in other investment tools, many, many, many investors are putting their money in technological companies. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe the people and the companies with more money are going to be, I mean, m more people are going to be successful. Maybe not. Probably we, we can assess that there are going to be the same winners in the marketing from a radio perspective. Yeah. But the reality is that means that if you have the same um, experts in the market, and there is more people and more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone is fighting for the same uh, for, for the same candidate. So I, I think there is right now a big change in the market that everyone is being approached with like 20, 30% increase in their salaries every day. Yeah. And, um, and this is a big change because this requires you that you need to be more competitive in the market adjustments. And obviously when we do a change in the compensation bands, we need to adjust everyone in this band in the next performance review cycle or as soon as we can. Yeah. Because we don't want people uh, coming from the, through the door getting 50% more than a colleague that has been with us three years. This is completely unfair and we don't allow that to happen at Trailpack. But when, when you are in this type of competitive market, you, you need to face this type of challenges that you are completely disconnected from the market in six months. Like yeah. the, the reality is, is very dynamic right now. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is the biggest uh, challenge right now. And, and then you need to be creative because uh, you, you need, I, I think all of us needs to start thinking about, okay, investment for retention is more, so retention and investment is very important. And, uh, and opening also yourself for new channels for acquiring talent that requires more investment from your side. Yeah, right. Sure. Like, there are many, many, many more companies doing like graduate programs, even from uh, change career and boot camps, et cetera, because there is not enough talent for all of us. No. Um, there's, there's quite a big conversation that it isn't sustainable, but 
is it sustainable that companies continue to acquire obscene amounts of funding and continue to push the bar in terms of salaries? Because it feels as if we keep on going on this upward trajectory, it consolidates for a while, and then we move up to that next bracket. It doesn't really feel like we're pulling away or there is this bubble effect. I mean, we have seen bubbles in the past, but I think the plan right now is that there is more resources for doing things and, and there is the same amount of people who have the skills for doing that. So yeah. I, I think, I don't think there is a bubble in the compensation because if you evaluate that, the problem right now is that the market has become global yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. And um, and in the States, they are paying like twice what we are paying in, in Europe yeah. for an engineer. So it's sustainable because they, ha- they have been paying twice for so many years. Yeah. There is, no one is saying that in Silicon Valley there is a bubble, yeah. um, right? So they have been able to be successful paying twice what we are paying in Europe. The yeah. problem is right now, we have become global yeah. and uh, we are competing with uh, companies in the States uh, that are offering um, very competitive salaries in Barcelona or in Berlin or in London. Yeah. So I, I agree with you that I don't, I don't see the bubble. I, I, I really don't see the bubble. I think we are, we are just readjusting to a global market. Yeah. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all purely conversations and and speculation i agree is in uh, i think what happened off the back of covid it's interesting to see a dynamic shifting from us companies investing a lot in some of the european ecosystems that we have here and and hiring great talent it obviously fragments what we've built off the back of the last 20 30 whatever many years here creating our own ecosystems so it has completely flipped the game entirely yeah and uh, i think there are side effects on that that then we can we can discuss about about this no right like people inflating levels just because they want to justify a higher salary or people with three years of experience that someone wants to hire this guy and they are putting a senior level in these three years old or three years of experienced professional, which uh, which probably as a company and a scale-up company, it's really hard to challenge that, right? Yeah. Because the people sometimes is very ego-driven, or sometimes they are looking for this extra mile in the competition, which is completely fair. Yeah. But we cannot enter in that in that dynamic because at the end, in three years of experience, doesn't matter if you have been in the most challenging environment. You haven't been solved as much problems as someone has been working in the industry ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what kind of uh, engineering EVP do you try and create within your teams? What can you? What so, what, what kind of engineering value proposition? Do, do you try and create within your teams? You know, we spoke offline around um, yeah. a, a 20x mindset, creating safety yeah. within engineering teams and other yeah. things. What, what do you try and create? 
I think there are a few things that are important as well, but the first thing is the growth. So the, the, the growth, the projection of the people in the team. So one year at Rolberg is like three, five years in many other companies. Yeah. Uh, because you have, because of the natural organic growth of the team, uh, you have the opportunity to take new responsibilities and, and being exposed to like very mature way of working, et cetera. So the growth that you are going to get here and the brand that you are going to build in your career is very unique. Like many other scale up, I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying that you cannot get that in, in other scale up companies, but as an scale up company, this is one of the things that you are getting. Yeah. Um, from the other side, if we evaluate the landscape in lesser, uh, companies, travel companies, we can see that there is, is a 1.5 trillion market. Yeah. And there is like Airbnb booking, uh, Skyscanner. So they, there is big monsters like, between 50 to 100 billions valuations, right? If you look to the business travel, which is exactly the same size or more or less the same size, there is, there is a very big fragmentation. I mean, yeah. Amex is like 11 billions. It's like one, 2% market share. Yeah. So right now we have like a couple of companies competing for one enterprise and the other SMBs, which in this case is Stolberg, that can dominate the world. The, the opportunity for this company to become one of these big players that we see in Razor is super big in the next five, 10 years. Yeah. How many investments you can do in your life that can get back to you like a multiplier of 20, 50 times? Yeah. There is okay. not that much opportunities in the market. And this is the game that we are playing because every employee, not every engineer, not every executive, every employee at 12Per has a stock options. Okay. Smart. We don't have. We don't have phantoms. We don't have gross shares. We have a stock options. Every employee in this company. So that can be a life-changing opportunity for all of us. Yeah. And um, from that perspective, that that. So I'm I'm talking about like the intrinsic motivation of growing and taking opportunities, and we can discuss about that in particular. But also from the extrinsic perspective, from the compensation, uh, it's a very unique life-changing opportunity. Yeah. And uh, getting back to the investment, not all the companies that right now are raising money are going to be winners. True. Because we, we, we have been in this industry. We know that from 100 startups, maybe one succeed. The reality is that the, 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 the risk that you are managing at 12-pair as a, as a serious AEF company uh, at, at the current status of the market with all the entry barriers that we have as a business travel company is very low compared with any other serious A. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. That that is true. We we didn't actually focus a lot on the the retention part, which I think is probably quite critical to that scale up mindset. The stock options obviously plays to this retention mindset as well. That triggered my memory. Uh, talk to us a little bit about. I guess not just retention in the business, probably stock options creates that because it creates that mission value for the business. But talk to us a little bit about retention within engineering as well. And what some of our listenership can actually gather from what you do or what other people introduce to retain really good people. Because yes, we're talking about this bubble or we bubble. It's not a bubble, but uh, we're talking about 
yeah, compensation rising and everyone right now is being approached with salaries that could be greater than what they're currently earning. So, yes, there's obviously going to be some outside perspective of what's going on, but we need to focus inside the business as well and think, how do we retain really good people that are building travel perk for tomorrow? Yeah, I, I, that, that's, that's a great question. So, in, in my opinion, there is the intrinsic motivation and the extrinsic motivation. True. Compensation, uh, recognition, etc. This is an extrinsic motivation. Yeah. And, um, and I try to focus in the intrinsic motivation. There are so many books talking about motivation. There are so many, like Drive, Abit, uh, so many good books about that. And all of them are, are moral, many of them are based on the self-determination theory. Yeah. If we evaluate the self-determination theory, which is the basics of the motivation, we find four pillars. The mission, which is not just the mission of the company. It's also what is your mission in this company? What is yeah. the thing that you want to accomplish in this company? Then you have the autonomy that you are expected to be yourself and you can be successful being yourself. Nice. You have the, the progression which is that you are expecting to be the best person of yourself and someone cares about that. And finally, you have the relatedness, the belonging, so that, that there is something bigger than you uh, yeah. and, and you are part of this group. I think if you, have, if you want to have a very loyal team, you, you better need to have this soul. Yeah. Taking this aside, uh, I really like all the gamification or serious game uh, way of thinking uh, there is an open uh, an open source schema about the players okay uh, and this schema is an hexagon is is identifying six type of players the first one is the um philanthropists like people who do things because they love what they do yeah we are not philanthropists it's true that we are privileged people doing things that we like but probably we will do in something in our place we are working at Falbert because not because we want the extrinsic reward, not just for philanthropy. The second group is the socializers, people who do what they do, what they what they what they who, people who do what they want to do because they love to interact with others. Yeah. This is not our main goal as engineers. Yeah. The, the, the third one is the players, people who do what they do because they want to win. Yeah. This is not our main motivation. Yeah. Then you have the what they call the hackers, so people who is looking for the boundaries of legality. Maybe you have engineers, especially in the security field, that you you want to have these type of people who are looking for the boundaries, but it's not the main goal. Yeah. And then you have two two final uh, type of players. You have the free spirits, which is people who love to create, and then you have the achievers, people who wants to pursue mastery. And if you evaluate these two players, many, many, many of the companies, many of the product companies in the market yeah. are willing to take this type of mindset. Yeah. People who True. and evaluating the type of tools that you can provide to this type of mindset, you are probably building a, a setup for driving and, and keeping loyalty and retention in your team. So for example, the free speed is people who love to create things, to be in a creative environment, to be on board for learning a new skill. Um, to have the freedom to fail, uh, to uh, get uh, quick interactions and quick feedback for getting a 
for progressing. And then the achievers, they are looking for learnings, new skills, growth, getting recognition, getting mastery, and progressing, right? So if you look at so many companies right now, they have the postmortem rituals, which is a blameless. They have continuous delivery that you have quick feedback regarding the pull request. You have career path framework for recognizing this progression and the mastery, continuous uh, feedback environment with this one-on-one recording. All of this is correlated with this type of mindset, right? Yeah. And you have multidisciplinary squads with uh, uh, different type of multidisciplinary teams that, that really foster in this creativity. So this is essential for the retention. Yeah. This is really essential. So I think from that perspective, a company like Crowdbird who has OPR, which is a really bottom-up strategy for what we do next, etc. It's actually really fostering the retention too. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot I can take away from this. There's a lot any engineering businesses and non-engineering businesses or teams can take away from some of the points that that you've really just mentioned there. I think that's that's an important learning that I think people should think to take away as well, that retention is really critical and it's about building a framework or a tool that allows you to do that really, really well. I think feedback's important, especially evaluate, well, evaluating engineering feedback as well, especially in engineering teams, really, really important. But I think general feedback on, you know, you're talking about... Um, pull requests, continuous delivery, you know, this directly impacts or correlates to what an engineer would do on a day-to-day basis. And is there value in their work then? And other things, but having that tool or makes up or what makes up a retention framework or a playbook or something of that ilk, I think is important. Absolutely. It's essential. Because if not, the people is just comparing you with someone else. Yeah. And in their in their compensation, it's just about numbers, and yeah. it shouldn't be about numbers. For sure. For sure. We've touched quite a lot on hiring. Uh, we touched a bit on retention, the journey. Can, can we touch on on you and and your route? You've had, like you introed, an interesting route. It's a route I get asked about quite a lot to VP of engineering, to CTO. That might even be on the cards for you over the next however many years. I don't know. But uh, help the the listenership understand what that route's looked like for you over the last 20-odd years. Well, that's a tough question. Well, I, I think not, even... not over 20 years then. Not over 20 years. <laughs> No, but I think, you know, not even industry has a clear definition of what it means to be a CTO and a VP of engineering. And usually you are using these roles depending on the context, which is completely fair. There is a really nice article in, in Medium talking about different roles in different stages, because obviously a CTO of a Really, a stage company with like two people working together and a CTO at Trailberg on a CTO at Microsoft has nothing to do, right? Yeah. And um, I think also it's very important that you identify what is your sweet spot and what do you want to do next. Okay. Uh, if, if you want to do something different, I mean, from my 
in my personal experience, I have been working in EV status, so I really enjoy this zero to one. I really enjoy that. And, um, and I actually really enjoy it, this uh, transitional driver from like 20 engineers to 150 that we are right now. Yeah. So I, I really, really, really enjoy that transition. And, but it's not for everyone. So you, you need to, be this, to build this self-awareness of what is the transition and what is your sweetest spot for you. Okay. If you are going to, and, and this is going to be dynamic because maybe uh, you enjoy being in an early stage and this is what you want to do, the zero to one. And, and not everyone is going to be enjoying that, that transition. Not everyone is going to be um, like getting the best of that. Yeah. Uh, there, there is people who are really struggling with this zero to one. Uh, so it's not for everyone. There is a lot of risk. There is a lot of like chaos. Um, and uh, then you have like a, another transition, which is building the foundations of the way of working. Okay. And then there is another transition, which is a scale up, right? When yeah. you have the, the right foundation and the way of working, then you can speed up the hiring and building the, the processes for the screen up the team, which is a completely different stage. Yeah. So I think it's more important than the level. It's what is the thing that you enjoy the most now? And then thinking about what, what you are going to enjoy the most next. And having a, a, a good environment that is allowing you and empowering you to try that. I really like this concept of the pendulum from Will Larson. Okay. That it, it's talking about that. Um, I mean, so many people... This is like a business plan, right? Yeah. When you are creating a business plan for the startup, you are drawing on a straight line. Yeah. But then the reality is a roller coaster. Yeah. There is no straight line. So I think the career, I mean, there is exceptions, but naturally the career is, you think that I want to become principal or I want to become VP. And yeah. this is less relevant than the next step. What you should try to do is just trying so many things because even if you want to become principal, spending so many so, some time doing a squalid role or an engineering manager role, it's gonna contribute to being yeah. a more successful principal. And uh, so I think it's very important that you have uh, an environment that actually is letting you and onboarding you and empowering you to take new roles, and then you you will connect the dots at some point in your career. Yeah. I think you you hit the nail on the head on in your second point there, as in maybe diversification in different roles. Let's just use the the VP of engineering example. You know, if you've come from an engineering background, uh, to to actually learn that awareness, it probably might be right to take a hands off role for three to six months to actually learn a lot more about the people part of managing engineers instead of being in the trenches or in the weeds actually hands-on every single day but I, th I think there was something quite interesting there that we're we're sometimes talking about a position of choice here as in if we do have an environment that allows us to go and be uh, an engineering manager or principal of en principal engineer I don't think everyone, even the market is nuts, I don't think everyone has the luxury to be able to choose what they want to go and be and do. Have you seen that before as well? And, and if so, what would your advice be to that? So I think everyone should be 
should have the autonomy to dream and decide what they want to become. I think, I think that's fair. And then what, what is less clear, if, if you are able to become a principal in a Stripe, it's, it's a completely different problem that if you want to become a principal in a Series A or in a startup, probably, and a startup doesn't need principal, but you get my point. So I think everyone should be able to dream and you, you can have uh, any level of ambition. Um, I will connect that with, I, I remember that we have been having some of uh, offline conversation and you mentioned uh, what would be my piece of advice. And I think yeah. probably I, I can take this one now. My piece of advice is that, especially in the early stages of your career, build a foundation because very easily you can get trapped in this extrinsic reward approach. Like I want more money. I want a different level. I want just a, a senior level in my, in my name or a staff engineer or a principal. And by doing that, you are compromising the, the building of the foundation of you as an engineer, as a problem solver, as a like, and, and I think right now, especially because we are packing privilege in a, in a very challenging moment in, in, this, in the story, right? We, we are a privileged collective. Yeah. The people should not rush in their progression and just find the right environment for building the right foundation, working with better people than you, uh, learning from them and not rushing in the progression because you are going to build a foundation for your career yeah. that the people who are rushing and jumping between companies just for getting the progression, they are not going to have that. Yeah. So someone described it to me as as impact. Forget the job titles. You know, you, you said it quite well as in a principal engineer, I think you said at Stripe, to a principal engineer uh, at a Series A. They are very, very, very different jobs. So the impact of those roles is very different. Same title, impact, very different. I, I always try and advise people on... What is the actual impact on a day to day? What 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 would you actually list as an impact statement or a milestone or achievements on your profile versus another role? And I think people forget that when they're thinking about a job title or compensation, which job title is is probably BS a little bit, but money or compensation I understand to a degree. Um, but I think I think the impact is is really important. And off the back of that, if we're talking about a route to a VP or principal or whatever it is, think about the impact at your next role or your next choice because that will be extremely valuable. As like you say, in your next pendulum step, you know, you could be here one moment, you could be off to the right or left hand side in the next moment. It will still be valuable if it provides you with impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you, you mentioned quite an interesting point at the start of the podcast. A lot of people that you've worked with who are who are bright, uh, I think CPTOs, I heard Skyscanner in there. I can't remember all of the names that you spoke about. So the the people around you seem it seems as if they've been massively influential on you and your career as well, right? Yeah, yeah I think um, 
talking about the onboarding, one of the most impactful things that we have done at 12Perk is building a, an engineering manager training program. And, um, and uh, so whenever someone wants to become like an associate engineering manager, and he wants to start getting a couple of reports and start learning about a completely new career path, we have an onboarding prize, like uh, six cases uh, an active learning. And, and, um, and one of the things I, I, I usually like to do the kickoff of this training, and then I, I explain my career and explain what they are the expectations of the roles. And, and, and we, we share some books and some blog posts and some content that we believe it's, it's relevant for them. And one thing that I mentioned is that it's very important to build a network of mentors. Yeah. Because you cannot expect at your work to find people that it's going to inspire you. It's going to, so the, 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 the senior you become, the less probability you will have to find, to find people in your workplace yeah. that can really help you drive to the next level. Yeah. So it's really important to, to build a network of, of mentors or colleagues from other environments that can fostering you and challenging you in situations that, that, um, that you can ask someone else in your in your uh, workplace. Couldn't agree more with that. Especially for engineering or a tech company, but I think in life generally, uh, I, yeah. I, I've started using someone recently that I've known for a long, long time, and it's such a different perspective. And then you start to realise that you know you can fall into the imposter syndrome trap where you think, "Wow." I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. I best take a step back, but it's a good step back. As in, then you start to look at things in a very, very different way. Absolutely. Yeah, the imposter syndrome is something that we really struggle, no? Because so many organizations, we build respect based on your capacity to deliver yeah. technically, right? Yeah. And, and, and when, whenever you decide to do this transition from maker to a facilitator, yeah. you are going to suffer that. You're going to suffer that. You think you are not having an impact because the, the impact is actually indirect. So you are empowering others. Your mission is to empower others. And the, the bigger is the impact of the people you are empowering, the better you are doing your job. But changing that mindset, is it, it takes time. Yeah, it does. It really does. Uh, I've... I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. I think there's some, some real, real strong sound bites that people can pick up from hiring, retention's critical, uh, a scale-up environment, uh, and a massive, massive opportunity with, with Travel Perk. Um, good to get your vibes or your understanding on, on what's happening with the market as well. Uh, and I think with the route to the VP of engineering role, diversification, try new things, learn more about what's going on around you or from other people external to the business that you're within. So I do want to say a big, big thanks for coming to share with us and parting with your wisdom and and helping other people learn. And good luck to Travel Perk. You've got a new customer here as well. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the chat. And um and Talk to you soon. Yeah, and as always, for everyone listening, likes, shares, subscribes. There's going to be some links below um, where you can reach out to Ivan and others at Travel Perks. So you can see a little bit about what's going on and, and see some of what Ivan's saying externally as well. 
So a big thanks for everyone. Peace and love. Hey guys, thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated.